All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Boston Celtics podcast. I am here, Lucas Gaynor, once again with my co-host, Patrick Lounsbury. Patrick, how are you feeling, man? Yo, Derek White has came in and literally saved every doubter of the Celtics this season's mind by really just taking over right away, man. We got to see some Derek White a couple games. The Celtics beat two solid teams back-to-back. The win streak is riding, man. I mean, I don't see how you can be down right now. Oh, no, I'm up, Patrick. I'm up. I uh, am very pleased with the acquisition of Derek White. You know, we kind of talked about it, and everything we talked about is kind of coming to fruition. And, uh, you know, he's giving us that stout defense, some improved shooting, some great ball handling. Great off-ball movement as well. You know, I think Derek White, now like he said, he's quickly endearing himself to uh, Celtics fans, you know, all around. They already are loving this guy like he's been here for multiple years, even though he's only been here for multiple games. Yeah, man, I I think that uh, Derek White has came and and fit seamlessly into this team, man. He's just kind of gone in there. It looks like he's been playing with these guys for years. We did note back that Derek White had played with Jalen, Jason, and Marcus Smart back in 2019 on the USA team. Uh, he does have familiarity with uh, Ime Doku as well. So just kind of coming in here, there's not really taking him a while to kind of fit in. And there's also like this two-way chemistry with him and Tatum that I've absolutely loved in these first two games. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the fact that they played together, Patrick, does definitely bode well as far as like, you know, working him into the system. And I think we've seen that. Um, and on top of that, like you said, you know, he played for, for Ime. So, you know, it's not a complete adjustment to the defensive scheme because I'm sure, you know, Ime had his hand in those defensive schemes down in San Antonio. And yeah, he's already developing chemistry with, uh, with him and Tatum. You know, he hit Tatum uh, against the Nuggets. You know, Tatum had that play where he was like, you know, it was a transition. And he was running right down the middle. I don't know what Michael Green was thinking, but he kind of left Tatum. Derek White picked up on that, dimed him up for a big dunk. Uh, so I love to see that Derek's, you know, getting chemistry with our best player already. And uh, Jason Tatum definitely has been our best player as of late, Patrick. That game against Atlanta was something, huh? Oh, man, the way he's just able to take over games at times. This man could literally just have a really bad first half and then come out of the second half, look completely different go downhill, attack, and just take over. Like, the, he has that that superstar power. That's what we talk about when you think about you got great players in this league, but then you got the superstars. And, and those superstars are pretty much a handful of guys. Like, you, you got maybe 10 to 15 guys maybe that can reach that superstar level where it's just like, man, no matter who you put on them, no matter who doubles him, they're going to hit tough shots and just be able to – rally their team and just win a game sometimes. And Jason Tatum was, was in his superstar bag against the Atlanta Hawks and took the team home while other people were struggling. Yeah. And the thing about Tatum is that, uh, you know, even when he's not having one of those superstar shooting performances, you know, kind of like the game against, uh, against the Nuggets, he shot one of eight from three, you know, was not particularly efficient. However, I thought that was a wonderful game from Tatum. Uh, he was good involving his teammates, uh, he was very quick to get rid of the ball. Um, he was playing good defense. You know, he was rebounding. And, you know, he's just making a lot of right winning plays. And uh, I think that's what gets lost on a lot of people when they think about Tatum or when they don't watch Tatum too frequently is that they see his offensive style of, like, you know, maybe the, some isoing and, you know, some fancy dribble moves into a fadeaway. People just assume because of that that he's, like, not a winning player. Or he doesn't care about winning. 
I mean, Patrick, you texted me this. You texted me the quote Tatum had about uh, the one thing I said I'm going to do is bring a championship here, and you know that's what I'm going to try and do. Uh, and you texted me and you said, you think this guy cares about winning? So uh, I just want to give Tatum a shout-out because – you know, although he does have that takeover potential with the shot making, even when he's not making like one out of every two shots, he still is a phenomenal, phenomenal player that uh, should definitely not be taken for granted in my eyes. Yeah, he he really should be taken for granted on the defensive end. I think Jason Tatum is so good on that side of the ball. It just kind of gets overlooked. And also I've noticed a lot is when he's um, guarding somebody, they don't normally try to test them as much anymore. Like they literally just kind of um, try to avoid Jason Tatum when it comes to defense. And I, I see them trying to more pick on guys like the shooting guard position. They do try to go at Jalen Brown a little bit more. They try to go at like Al Horford a little bit more or whenever Grant William is on the court, we see Grant get tested a lot. But it's kind of hard to nitpick at these Celtics because a lot of these guys are pretty good defenders straight up. So it's always very interesting to see what the opposing team has in store as a game plan to try and knock off uh, the Celtics defense. Yeah, and I mean, do we, can we dive into some things from the Hawks game, Pat, or do you think we should – you want to just start with the Nuggets, just start covering the Nuggets? I mean, the Nuggets game, we could – I mean, that one was pretty – Pretty crazy game. That was Derek White's opening game. He had that play with uh, his first sequence as a Celtics was a steal and then an alley-oop to Jalen Brown, which was pretty dope. So, Yeah, no, I think the uh, I think the Nuggets game was a good one. I mean, I was really impressed with how the Celtics ended up defending, uh, you know, none other than reigning MVP Nikola Jokic. You know, he's a seven-footer who can shoot, pass, you know, a little bit of dribbling in there too. Uh, and, you know, he had like a, almost a 20-point triple-double. And I still think the Celtics defended him as best as they could have. He had nine nine or ten turnovers, which was great. You know, it's really hard to force a guy as talented as Jokic uh, into double-digit or near double-digit turnovers. So I thought that was awesome. Um, that was probably my biggest takeaway, you know, especially down the stretch there. You know, in the fourth quarter, there was a couple big possessions where Jokic was matched up one-on-one with Rob on the block. And, you know, it's not like Rob rejected him to the eighth row, but he contested his shots and forced a couple misses from Jokic, which were really crucial down the stretch of that game. So I just want to shout out Rob, but really the whole team uh, for, you know, the defense we played outside of that uh, felt like the first quarter, I think. Yeah, the the defense was pretty pretty hard, rough going at first, but they really found their footing in that second half. That first half was a little rough. I did remember too, uh, in that second quarter at the nine Oh four mark, Jason Tatum was in the post and did a little dream shake move to get an easy bucket. I thought that was amazing. Did a little shimmer shake, man. He shake the defender and got a really easy layup out of it. Thought that was a cool play by Tatum. Uh, Celtics, uh, were, it was pretty surprising that we were down nine points, even though the Denver Nuggets had 14 turnovers and we only had seven. I was just like, what's going on here? But really, Denver shot lights out uh, field goal percentage, 53% in that first half, getting 60 points on the Celtics. But like I said, the Celtics came out in that second half with a lot better game plan on the defensive side of the ball and really slowed down the game from Denver as far as scoring-wise and held them only 19 points in that third quarter yeah the Celtics outscoring the Nuggets by 15 points in the second half was really crucial like you said you know the defense started to pick up maybe towards the end of the second quarter but definitely in the second half uh, only allowing what we only allowed uh, 42 points in the second half as opposed to 60 in the first half definitely clean that up 
And like you said, the Nuggets were shooting the lights out in the first half. And, uh, you know, I don't want to rely on regression or, you know, miss shots like that. But I think the Celtics started to close out a little better, contest shots a little better at the rim and on the perimeter. And, you know, that good shooting is never going to hold up throughout 48 minutes. You know, that really allowed the Celtics, you know, end up squeaking out of a win this one, 108-102. But I'll tell you, Patrick, Jokic is something, man. Like, I really feel like this guy had a bad game, and he finished with just an absolutely ridiculous stat line. Um, uh, let's see here. Jokic finished with 23-16-11. And I really felt like it was a bad game for him. That just goes to show how good of a player he is. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just can't emphasize on how much, you know, I was impressed with the Celtics' ability to make Jokic's life hard, even if he finished with, you know, a pretty good statistical line. Yeah, I think Jokic, man, is might just be one of, like, the craziest offensive weapons we've ever seen. Like, he's a big man that can shoot from range, and then he can dominate in the post. He has post moves. He's smart in double teams. He has crazy passing ability for his size. Just, he's literally like an Army Swiss knife, right? Like, whatever you need him to do on offense, he's capable of. And he can do it at all of them at a high level. It's not even like, what do you think is better? Like, you go, wow, his passing is the best part of his offense. And you're like, wait, he shoots pretty well from deep for a big man. That's pretty much at the top of his game as well, too. Oh, man, but at post game, like, that's like a dying art. He's got that knocked down, too, as well. It's just his ability to just make everybody better around him and also just just really elevate himself in the moments as well. There's a big reason why the Nuggets are, are as far along in the season and still able in, to be in a playoff pitcher sense without their second-best player, Jamal Murray. Jokic, man, is a man among boys, even in the NBA level, and he, he really is a great player. To- yeah, no, Jokic is an absolute monster, and um... – you know, it just goes to show how good that team is going to be. Like you said, when they get Jamal Murray back, you know, I know Michael Porter Jr., who's out with these, you know, back issues, is a little more of a question mark, obviously, than Jamal Murray. But, you know, once they get back to full strength, I think the Nuggets are going to be a team that nobody's going to want to play. Uh, but I'd be remiss, Patrick, if I didn't mention our guy Marcus Smart, uh, who had just a wonderful game, scoring the ball, moving the ball defensively, chipping in on rebounds, you know, Drawing some offensive fouls, one in particular from a guy like Faku Campazzo, uh, you know, that was funny. You know, the referee deemed what Marcus did a natural basketball play, which I thought was kind of funny. But, yeah, another great game from Marcus, who was just really keeping up this terrific streak of basketball since he's come back from injury. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say he was our best player this game, but you could definitely make a case that he was our best player. I mean, like I said earlier, Tatum was phenomenal. And, you know, Rob Will's phenomenal, but Smart has just been playing as well as anyone on this team as of late. And, you know, that guy needs, that guy needs his props, man. He's awesome. Yeah, man, you're talking about the guy who over his last 15 games has shot 81% inside five feet, just bullying other opposing guards. He's 15 for 16 inside the restricted area during those 15 games. And it just shows the commitment he has to getting really good looks for himself at the rim or finding his opposing teammates as, as well to try to get these open looks. Uh, I think Marcus Smart's ability just to be so efficient and really not like, hey, man, he's chucking up these random shots anymore. Like That's, that's a game part of his past. Like, he is matured, and he plays like a seasoned vet. He doesn't play way more controlled. Him and Derek White are perfect. Like If you could have one of those guys on the floor at all times, this team has somebody who can keep the floor general going, but also be the head of the monster on the perimeter as far as defense goes. 
I know, like you said, he's just he just hasn't proved. And you know, I tweeted out this other day, like, what is there left to say about Marcus Smart that's a negative? You know, okay, you know, he might commit some turnovers here and there, but there's no player without fault. Okay, and you know, just to your point, Patrick, you know, I was watching the game the other day, and there was a play where Smart kind of was dribbling up the court. It was the game against Atlanta on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh you know, it looked like he was about to step into like old smart. Like I had the vision of him like kind of like stepping into a three pointer in transition, but instead he picked up his dribble, surveyed the floor, made a pass, and then you know went to screen away. Like I just think that's a play Smart probably would have shot a couple years ago. And you know, like I mentioned earlier this year, you know, I kind of um, you know hit the nail on the head with this one, or or maybe you know hit it with the nail on the head a few too many times. You know, I've really emphasize this is that we can't we couldn't have expected smart to become a point guard right away he had a big adjustment to make from playing off ball and i think you know he's made that leap and he's just steadily improving still every game and uh i I just am impressed with what smart has been able to do at the point guard position you know like you said chipping in with scoring but really being the guy that moves the ball you know getting our offense going and uh, he's that same old dog on defense patrick and to pair him with the guy like Derek white you know, I know backcourts in the East are going to be scared, you know, over the next couple months going up against those two guys. Yeah, what a fearful tandem that that is, man, having to deal with Marcus Smart and Derek White. And we talked about how great Jason Tatum has been. Jalen Brown's not a bad defender as well. And then you got Robert Williams, who's been elite on both ends of the floor as well. This this team is really scary on defense. Like, And I think that, like, during the earlier in the season, we couldn't close games very well and score. I don't think they were necessarily that much better offensively when closing games now, but I just think our defense has been that much better Agreed. that we've been able to kind of survive these later pushes from teams because they're not pushing as hard anymore because we are actually showing resilience. The defense has just kind of collectively gotten into a groove on that end of the floor and defense can just put you in a string of winning, winning games. I mean, this team kind of has like a Chicago Bulls like Phil remember when they were going with their defense and had the head of the monster was Derrick Rose right and if you look at that team and you compare it to this team now like we might have more offensive talent but like defensively like you can see the similarities and and how the Chicago Bulls team one was through the through the defense you know that's how they got away with it was Derrick Rose was great in transition was able to finish strong and they were able to take advantage of turnovers a lot when they played good defense, but it all came on the defense side of the ball. This team kind of has that defensive like emphasis. I feel like they kind of really play well on that end and it kind of gets some easy buckets on the offensive end. And maybe this team can start winning a lot more games in a row like this. These streaks can be longer if the defense stays locked in. Yeah, no, I would agree. Most of the, uh, most of the reason why the Celtics are winning games is because of the improvement in defense. I just want to echo what you say. Like the offense has improved, but you know, it's not like we're like the 2012 Spurs, you know, or, you know, it's not like we're clicking on all cylinders offensively. You know, we see it in flashes. Um, it can still falter sometimes, but our defense is something that is rarely faltering, especially at the end of the games. And, you know, even though I said we don't look like, you know, the 2012 Spurs, you know, it's kind of a joke, you know, our offense has definitely improved though. Uh, I just do want to say that much more off ball movement, cutting, screening, um, much more willingness to move the ball. It seems like way less ISOs in the beginning of the year. So I do got to give the Celtics credit, even though not all the kinks maybe are ironed out. Definitely have ironed out a few of them. But I do just want to say, Patrick, you know, you mentioned our guy Robert Williams there briefly. Robert Williams is the leader in the NBA in offensive rating by a full 5.7 points 
at 142.7 points per 100 possessions. Um, so that means when Robert Williams is on the court, you know, you average it out to about 100 possessions. The Celtics are scoring 142.7 points per 100 possessions. Just astronomical, massive number. And he is also, believe it or not, tied for first in defensive rating, only allowing 101.3 points per 100 possessions, giving him a net rating of 41.4, which is just unbelievable, honestly. Uh, that's got to be tops in the NBA um, of players who've played, you know, a certain amount of minutes. Um, I can definitely double check that. But Patrick, I just want you, I know you're big on the Rob Wilford DPOY. At least, you know, he deserves to be in the convo. Just enlighten us on why Rob has just been so terrific. Yeah, man. I mean, Robert Williams has just been elite. And on defensive side of the ball, we saw it a lot in that Denver game. Coming down the stretch, he he had a couple one-on-ones with Jokic. You're talking about the MVP last year, getting two crucial stops in crucial times to really help the Celtics get some wins. He's just been pretty phenomenal as rotations. He's always been making the big plays. I mean, how many times have we watched these close games and we're like, wow, what a great defensive play. Oh, what a block by Robert Williams at the end of that one. He, he just comes to mind – and his name gets dropped so often in crucial moments. So it's not even just like he's consistently good throughout the game, but he's also really good in the moments that really matter. And I think that's what really separates him. That's what makes a defensive player of the year type candidate is somebody who makes big defensive plays also when it really matters, not just throughout the whole game. So seeing that, Robert Williams has been able to be on this elite level. I'm all for seeing his name be mentioned defensive player of the year, and I think he should be on an all-defensive team by the end of the season, and he should be joining at least a, a teammate or two as well. Yeah, you know, I agree. He's definitely been playing at that level. He's just been phenomenal with his rim protection, his ability to block jump shots with smaller guards. You know, he's not really biting on as many pump fakes. I know he kind of bit in the Atlanta game a little more than we've seen recently, but – He's been much more disciplined on defense. You know, it would be tough for him to make the all-defense teams just, you know, given the nature of guys like Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, um, you know, Draymond Green, excuse me. Like, those guys are all very worthy. Um, So we'll see if, you know, Rob can keep it up. He definitely deserves to be in the convo. And I just want to piggyback off that last little part you said uh, of joining a couple other players. Uh, You know, I'm sure everybody can assume one of those players is Marcus Smart. But the second one is Jason Tatum. I mean, we really saw this on display in the Hawks game. Not only was Tatum dominant offensively, we saw some moments from Tatum that were just, quite frankly, phenomenal on defense. Um, There was two specific possessions, you know, big points in the game. Maybe not, you know, the final possessions of the game, but pretty crucial points of the game where Trey Young had Jason Tatum on an island. Jason Tatum got down in a stance and absolutely clamped Trey Young, which you know, there's not many six foot nine, six foot ten guys in the league who are able to do that. Definitely count those guys on one hand, uh, maybe even one or two fingers, really, for being honest. Paul George, you know, Kawhi, and you know, the list probably doesn't get too much longer after that of guys. His Pascal, style. maybe some some of those guys out in Toronto, maybe as well. They, yeah, they're, they're not. I mean, Pascal, maybe to me, Pascal maybe does not move as quickly laterally as you know PG, but I, I'll give Siakam the credit there. Um, but as far as guys who are like legit 6'10", I mean, that list is very, very short. So, uh, you know, that's just as impressive from Tatum. And like I said in the beginning of the show, you know, although Tatum is filling it up with, you know, almost, you know, 40, 50-point games all the time, you know, these step-back, sidestep threes, make no mistake, this guy is a great defender. 
And I think that oftentimes gets overlooked because of, like I said, the narrative of him being a bucket getter, him being a Carmelo Anthony type of player. No, this guy's a winning player uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think he should really be in consideration for all NBA second team defense this year. Man. Yeah. I think Jason Tatum has, has been really great on the defense side, as we said earlier. But the thing that I wanted to really touch on is that in that Atlanta game, he really just put the team on his back. Like he, he was insane with the 38 points, 10 rebounds, and he's shooting 40% from deep, hitting his free throws, just kind of everywhere. He had those two blocks as well, was really in control, only turned over the ball twice, and ultimately was just a superstar as we talked earlier as well. But but really wanted to say is Tatum has gotten a lot more comfortable in the offense that Ime is running. I think him with Derek White having another guy who can get him in his spots uh, is just helpful, right? So now he doesn't have to just worry about Marcus Smart setting him up. Now he's got Derek White out there trying to set him up, and he's got guys to get it out to now, like a Robert Williams. It's harder to double uh, Tatum because Derek White is – he's been hitting down the threes. I know he shot pretty poorly in that Hawks game from deep, 2 of 10, but a lot of times he's getting some pretty good looks, and he can knock those looks down a lot more consistently than some guys we've had in the past. So, Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Derek White – I do believe he's going to be a consistent shooter for us in between that 33 to 36% range. I think that's where we want him at. You know, obviously we want him on the plus side of 35, but, you know, I think he'll be in that range. Um, and like you said, man, Tatum put the Celtics on his back, and that's because it's not like we had anybody else scoring the ball particularly well. I mean, of our usual guys, Jalen uh, had another, actually another tough game. He struggled the last two games. I'm sure we'll touch on that, but. I'm not super concerned about that at all, really. I think he'll write the ship, you know, post-All-Star break. I'm sure that guy will be absolutely fine. I have the utmost faith in Jalen as a person and a player. Um, but he struggled this game. Marcus Smart, 3-for-11 this game. Derek White, 4-for-14. You know, Derek still had a positive impact, but he didn't really score the ball too well. So Tatum really put the team on his back, 38 points on almost 50% shooting. He just took the game over. And – uh Patrick, I think that the quote from Tatum, you know, from a few games ago, a week or so ago, about a couple weeks ago, when he mentioned, you know, missing those 20 straight threes might have been the best thing to ever happen to me because uh, early in this game, it felt like he was, you know, relying on the three ball too much, a little bit. Missed his first three, maybe four. Um, and then he really started getting uh, getting downhill and attacking. And, you know, I think I agree with Jason. Missing those shots is the best thing that ever happened because now this guy's attacking with, you know, the type of aggression and power that we know he's capable of. Absolutely. And Jalen Brown has, has struggled the past couple of games, and the team's still winning and beating pretty good teams, right? Like we talked about how they beat Denver, and now they beat the Hawks. They all did this while Jalen Brown was struggling. They had Derek White struggling in another game. Marcus Smart hasn't been great in the Hawks game. So their ability now to win games when not all of them are on the same page offensively is because that defense is so locked in, right? That's that's the part that has been so crucial. And then also staying within the offense. They don't get derailed now because with Derek White in there, you got somebody to control the – you know, the point guard and really keep the offense in the right gear. It's not letting your foot off. You're not going into high, so heavy possessions. So it's just nice to see that the team has got a little bit more of an identity on both sides of the court, uh, especially on defense, but offense is finally coming together and, and the emphasis to pass the ball a lot. Like you said, Derek White may not shot well, but he had five assists, man. He could have had more. He was really just dealing out playing within the flow of the offense. He ended up getting 14 shots out of just the flow of the offense, which is pretty insane. 
Oh yeah. That is the thing I love about Derek is like you're saying, he operates within, you know, the structure of the game. He's not somebody who's forcing shots like crazy. You know, maybe he had a couple possessions where, you know, he was trying to force things, but okay, you know, he's on a brand new team. I'm I'm not even blinking twice that it plays like that. Um, he, he is so clearly a type of guy who functions well within a team concept. Um, you know, but also uh, the thing that really I love about Derek above, maybe all else above his defense, you know, above that he can shoot within the offense, is the pace that he brings to the Celtics, Patrick, compared to Dennis. You know, it felt when Dennis was in the game, you know, our, our pace would really slow down. Uh, you know, a lot more dribbles would be taken. Uh, the ball movement would stop. But with Derek, he gets the ball after a missed shot, and he's gone. He is pushing the pace. He's moving the ball. If he sees an open person, he's moving the ball. So that is just something I think that is really helping. You know, it's like greasing a, a squeaky wheel. You know what I mean? This guy, you know, the pace, the injection of pace is just looks like it's going to be terrific for the Celtics offense, you know, above all else. Yeah, I, I love that part too. And then also Ime came out and had some statements the other day as well. He said Ime believes – the Celtics have bought in says he thinks the players are all receptive to coaching and criticism and getting challenged. And he said, I love the group for that. Also Jalen Brown on the energy sh- um, shift tweet, because everybody went crazy about him tweeting out on January 31st, the energy is about to shift. And ever since the streak has started for the winning and we've been on like an eight game win streak since so everybody's kind of like going crazy about it. So he got asked about it, that specific tweet. He's like, I wasn't even talking about basketball when I tweeted that. So I just thought it was kind of hilarious of the timing of that. And then the Celtics have won eight straight games now with uh, two more to come before the All-Star break. And Jalen Brown had this to say. He says, we'll see. Like, why not close these two out as well? So let's keep it up. Jason Tatum's just saying, I think we're just cooking. Jason Tatum also said uh, that our times in the season when you just feel like everything has clicked. And reality is things take time. We were all just adjusting to something new. A whole new coaching staff, kind of a new brand of basketball a little bit. Like we stated earlier in the season, you know, New coach, new system, new roster. Like things were going to take time, right? That we knew that that was going to happen. Maybe it just took more time than we thought. Maybe we were like 20, 25 game sample size. We should know who this team is. But honestly, the team that was at 20, 25 games is way different from the team that we have now. And that I'm not even talking about just roster wise. I'm talking about play style within how the team plays together. Yeah, no, so, I'll be, I'll admit, yeah. yeah, it was too, it was too short of a sample. Yeah, it was. We, you know, I think. We, should have been we a both were jumped the gun. <laughs> we should have been a little more lenient with the amount of games we were giving this team. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, you know, it's not like we ever got, and you and I particularly never got super negative about the team. You know, things weren't going well, and it wasn't fun, but it's not like our big picture. We were like, oh, gloom and doom, you know. So it does feel good to be rewarded, you know, sticking it out, stay having faith in our new coaching staff, you know, our new players. And uh, like you said, it's just a completely different team from November to now. So. It is good to uh, really good to see. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Al Horford shooting the ball much better. You know, I've been harsh on Al about his offensive game, man. And you know, I know Al doesn't listen to us, but Al might have heard some criticism from somewhere because this guy is really playing inspired, shooting the ball much better. It feels like he's playing better defense as well, um, and he's just continually making the right decisions. So, you know, I might have to eat some crow on that one too, Al. If you keep shooting the ball. At around 35%, you know, listen, I'm going to love having you out on the court for 20, 25 minutes a game. So just shout out to Al, who's definitely played much better over his last 15, 20 games than, than you know, the, the stretch of 10 or 15 before that. 
Yeah, shout out Al Horford, man, for really turning it around and, and starting to contribute pretty well on the offensive side. Just hitting a couple of shots just keeps the defense a little bit more honest, just allows more spacing, ultimately helping everybody else around him. So um, love to see that part. Uh, another another quote that we wanted to touch on as well, I know you, you hinted to it a little bit earlier, was Jason Tatum on whether the streak is validating. That's what he was asked. And he said, I'm going to tell you all I told you so when we win a championship one day. But until then, anything less than that is just the process of getting there. I love that. And that's that's the quote, right? It's like he seizes all these challenges is what you need to go through in order to become a champion. So mm-hmm. he hasn't let that Eastern Conference trips go to his head or he's been in the playoffs and he's rising to his occasion. He understands it like he's in a process. There's room for him to grow. There's room for the team to grow. And that's the mindset of somebody who is a winner. And so those articles saying that Jason Tatum, it might not be a winner, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't seem like a winning player. It's complete BS. It's ridiculous. In my eyes. And I think Jason Tatum um, is just as hungry as anybody else to win a championship. And you, you just see that on the defensive side. I mean, stars can easily, you know, just go out there and chuck 20, 25 shots and not be playing at a high level and then just give up on the defensive end because they're the offensive star. But no, nah, that's not what Jason Tatum has been. He's been really elite on the defensive side of things, and he's also been uh, turning it around on the offense. I mean, if you're a Celtics fan, I don't know how you don't love to hear something like that. Like, listen, we're on a – what What is this? A, do we, Patrick, do we win our eighth game in a row? Yes, we are on eighth, eighth game in a row. Game. Wow. So, you know, as shocking as that is, that is to hear – you know, you can't let that eight-game winning streak, like, you can't celebrate that like it's a championship, like Jason is not doing. Like, yeah, of course it feels good to win. But you know who that sounds like, Pat? That sounds like Tom Brady to me. Okay? You know, listen, none of this – this is this is all good, but none of this is really what we're after. What we're after is the championship, man. And I'm not going to be happy till I bring one home. And that's literally sounds like a, all-time great quarterback Tom Brady. You know, I, I know you're not a – no, you're not a Patriots fan yourself, Patrick, but I know Boston sports fans listening will understand where I'm coming from with that one. Like, listen, this guy loves the awards. He loves the accolades. But, you know, it, it doesn't even matter to him at all compared to championships. And listen, I think Tatum likes the awards. I think he likes the acknowledgement that he's playing well. But I think that all pales in comparison to what a championship means to him. And that's the type of player I want my star player, you know, to be. And I think we got we got lucky with this one, Patrick. Got to be honest, man. Jason Tatum, we should just – Every Celtics fan should thank their lucky stars that this guy's our franchise player. Yeah, man, we, we really lucked out with getting Jason Tatum on this team, and I'm excited to see how the rest of this season unfolds. Uh, we got two more games now before the All-Star break. Uh, we got tomorrow against Philadelphia and the day after against Detroit. So we're hoping that this team could go 10-0 and in the last 10 games into the All-Star break. But worst-case scenario, it's 8-2, right? So... Eight and two, nine and one, or ten and zero going into All Star break. So, despite whatever happens in these next two games, just understand the last ten games are are not just in the past. You know, it's something that has happened. This team is building towards something a lot better. And you know, if they go into this break though, ten and zero, the last ten games, man, get some rest and then come out the rest of the half, man. Just watch out. We could be climbing some. Yeah, I mean, so we should have probably mentioned this by now. The Celtics actually have climbed out of the playing game and into sixth place. And, uh, you know, I don't want to jinx anything tonight, but with the Pelicans up 20, okay, 17 on the Raptors tonight, we could go a full game up on the Raptors 
Um, and then, you know, like we play Philly tomorrow, like you mentioned, we can get within a game and a half of Philadelphia for the five seed. So if the Celtics can take care of business these next two games, we're going to be looking in a great, you know, we're going to be in a great spot to, you know, like you said, climb those standings and, you know, God forbid, have home court in the playoffs. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with that one, but even, you know, just Patrick, the remote possibility of that, you know, even existing is kind of wild considering where we were, you know, towards the beginning of the season. But it just goes to show you, man, it's a long season. you got to stay the course. You know, even when things are bad, there's always capability to improve. So, yeah, the Celtics out of the playing game and looking, you know, to try and get into a position that gives us some uh, some home court during the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, us go finish out this season because uh, the schedule's not that tough either. Like, we, we got a few more tough teams left. I know Brooklyn will be the first team we play outside of uh, – the all-star break, which will be a challenge as well, seeing them if Ben Simmons is on the court yet with them. But even without him, like, you know, if Kevin Durant returns, that could be a problem as well. And Kyrie Irving, <laughs> we're hosting. So, you know, Kyrie Irving is going to be available to play. And we all know the story of Kyrie in Boston and how he plays us. So it would be really fun to watch Marcus Smart and Derek White kind of chase Kyrie Irving around and do their best to contain him because he's such a fun offensive juggernaut. And uh, our defense is definitely going to be tested uh, after that all-star break right off the rip. So we'll see if guys are kind of relaxed or what type of energy they're going to have after that. Yeah, can't wait to play the Nets, you know, the new-look Nets, hopefully. How we can get a crack at Ben Simmons, you know, like we mentioned, you know, a couple pods ago or last pod, you know, I really like the trade for both sides. And, um, you know, it's excited to see how the Celtics stack up against those teams at full strength. You know, unfortunately, we won't see full strength Philly tomorrow as Harden will be out till after the All-Star break. But uh, definitely, you know, excited to get a look at those, uh, the new look Atlantic Division teams. No doubt. Absolutely, and I think that wraps things up for us here. Did you have anything else to add, Lucas? Yeah, I got one last thing, actually. Uh, it's a little bit more of a serious note, um, but you know, I listened to uh, the Old Man in the Three podcast today with uh, Marcus. It's JJ Reddick's podcast, and Marcus Smart was a guest. And uh, you know, I just there was one line that really stood out to me that makes me, you know, because everybody loves to talk about trading Smart, and uh, you know, JJ asked Smart, "Why do you play like you do? Like, what is it?" And Smart basically said that. You know, his brother, his older brother passed away from cancer at age 33, but he was diagnosed when he was 15. And Marcus mentioned that everybody growing up thought that his older brother was like, you know, the better of the two players and the one who had a career in basketball. And, uh, you know, he couldn't play. You know, he was diagnosed with leukemia and then he played his championship game, had a terrific game, but, you know, unfortunately couldn't really play basketball after that. So Smart said, I play the, ba- the game of basketball the way I do because, you know, you never know what game will be your last. And I, I just think – I thought it was really touching. I thought it was powerful. And I just think people really need to go about understanding who Marcus Smart is as a human and really value that, you know, that's a guy we've had in our team for, you know, six, seven years now. And, uh, you know, I know people want to send him away to the Kings, you know, for this and that, send him away to the Pacers, to the Hawks for this and that. But Marcus Smart is one of those guys you're not going to realize how much you love till he's gone. And, you know, I think that's sad. That's going to be sad for some people. So all I'm really trying to say is, you know, appreciate that man for who he is because he pretty much plays like his life is on the line every game and guys like that don't grow on trees. So I just wanted to shout out Marcus for that great episode of Old Man in the Three and uh, just shout out to Marcus for bringing it every single game, no matter if it's a one o'clock game in Orlando against 
a 10-win team, or if it's game seven against the Milwaukee Bucks, you know Smart is going to bring it all. And I just think that needs to be acknowledged and cherished. So just wanted to give Smart a little shout-out towards the uh, towards the end of the pod. You know, love to hear a shout-out for the guy who has spent his whole tenure with the Boston Celtics, the longest tenured Celtic on the roster, the OG himself, Marcus Smart. Um, it's going to be a sad day when he's no longer a Celtic, whether that's him retiring or being moved on to another team. But, man, I'm enjoying the journey with Marcus Smart, and he's brought a lot of up and downs, tears, and and rejoicement to us all as far as Celtics fans. Yeah, I echo that. And, you know, Patrick, I hope it's retirement, but regardless, you know, one day I think we'll probably see 36 in the rafters. So, you know, that'll be a great day. Looking forward to that. But, Patrick, that's all from me, man. Another great pod. Looking forward to these next couple games, man. Yes, sir. And make sure you guys head over to Ethos Celtics on Twitter. You can also find Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer and me at Ballin Opinions. You can also head over to Spotify, rate this show five stars. You also head over to Apple Podcast as well. Make sure you guys leave a five-star rating and a review. That helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. Everybody showing up to here on the Spotify Green Room for our live shows as we always do that. Lucas and I do not do that stuff unnoticed at all. We do appreciate it. We talk about how amazing it is to watch our show grow, and we have goals, and, and you guys are just helping us reach those goals. So we do appreciate everybody coming supporting us. Appreciate everyone who comes listens live. Appreciate everyone who downloads the show, listens to the show. Uh, it really means a lot to me. You know, I know there's some people out there in my life who aren't necessarily the biggest basketball fans, but still tune in and listen. So you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, and I think that's all for me, man. Patrick. Yeah, happy happy Valentine's Day to everybody, everybody as well. Man. We did this on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know what? Even if you're single like myself, man, go out there, buy yourself some flowers. You know, self-love is the best love. Take care of your mental. Yes, I celebrated with some pizza. I'll buy my lonesome. It's all good. All right, Patrick. Have a good night, man. <laughs> all right, we're out. We're out.